The Lord be with you. Welcome to worship here, River of the Valley. We're, we're so happy to be able to once again gather as the family of God, as brothers and as sisters. So anyone that you see as you come in here or anyone that you uh, can say hello to if you're watching us online, you greet them as a brother or as a sister. That's one of the wonderful implications of the gospel the results of Christ and what he has done for us through his cross and through his resurrection. It's not something that's simply eternal that we wait for later. It's something that we get to enter into now and to enjoy. We're going to begin our worship this morning, called into worship by the second part of the 42nd Psalm. And it begins by asking a question, why are you cast down, O my soul? So many people right now, I think, are living in that reality, feeling like their, their emotional, mental, and spiritual health is, is low. And so we gather here also to worship in spite of how our emotional, mental, or spiritual health might be. We raise our voices nevertheless, as we will see. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, and therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan, of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we acknowledge right here and now that you are our rock. That in every way we feel like we have been blown around in our lives and by the world in this past week and days. We acknowledge right here and now that you are the rock, the sure foundation upon which we can stand even as the wind blows. Lord, I ask that you would give us a, a, a renewed sense of your presence among us. Renewed conviction of heart that even though we can't see, that by faith we can believe that you are here, just as you have promised, just as you spoke through your son Jesus. Lord, may your presence here, your Holy Spirit, once again, open our hearts to worship you fully, orienting our lives back to you and to the rock, our sure foundation. We worship you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us worship God. Good morning, everybody. Let's worship God this morning. 
stand up with me. And here, use your hands. Hey, like that. Here we go. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my turn till I met. Genesis 3, we have the story of when 
humans began to walk away from the Lord. And after the serpent comes up to Adam and to Eve and convinces them to take that, that fruit that they should not touch and convinces Adam and Eve and all of us in our own lives to walk away from the word of the Lord, this is how God responds. After, sorry, after God asks Adam what happened, this is how he responds. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. We're going to come before the Lord now, honestly in confession, knowing that we've been deceived, but to be honest about that before the Lord. Let's pray. God, we also recognize that um, we give thanks in your holiness and recognize we have not always been holy. That is, we have not always done what's right. By what we have done and left undone, we have damaged other people. We have damaged your creation. We recognize that our own hearts at times are not trustworthy because we've been deceived by this serpent, by, by evil. Lord, in this, in this moment, receive in this silent prayer of our hearts any confession before you of, of what we have not done that's right in this past week. Amen. The good news, God keeps speaking. And do you remember what he tells the serpent? He says, eventually, the offspring of Eve will be the power that stands upon your head. The gospel of Jesus is that even though we were deceived, that Jesus came down from the throne of heaven in order to put evil in its place, even to give us the opportunity through his spirit to be reborn, and even now to begin to live in that holiness that instead of bringing destruction, that brings life, brings beauty, the creativity for which we were designed. And so we praise the Lord God. Amen? Amen. So be it. We're going to invite up Pastor Dan Stevens to give us our sermon today. I'm so grateful that he is willing each and every time I ask to come and open the scriptures, both because you are such a great preacher and man of God, and it gives me a, a chance also to take a step back. Well, no steps today. To roll back... We had a beautiful leaders retreat I'll talk about a little bit later, but I'm so grateful you're here. Can we, can we thank Pastor Dan by just giving him a hand?
wonder what inside me kind of hang him up, right? Um, and so I put him off. And then when I say this, I'm thinking that, yeah, you know, God can push me as much as he pushes you in a sermon, or maybe more. Um, so can you turn this down just a little bit, please? I'm, I'm getting my, I'm hearing myself too, too much. Um, so, so Jonathan said, well, yes, thank you for saying you would preach. Well, you, as you know, I've been preaching for First Corinthians 13. And uh, would you preach on First Corinthians 13, uh, 7a? And I thought, really? <laughs> one half of one verse? It's actually only one quarter of one verse. And, um, and, and he said, yeah, that's, that's what I want you to do. And so I began to, I began to look at this, uh, this one quarter of one verse. Uh, and Jonathan actually sent me the Greek word um, that, it, that it falls into. And uh, it, it, it means bears. And, but I looked at the scriptures and it says... Uh, Puts up with anything, always protects, bears all things. This one, this one little word. And when you look at different translations, it, it uses all of those phrases. And I begin to think about that for a moment, you know. Um, puts up with anything. Really? And, and I thought, gosh, you could go a million miles just with that. Or always protects. And I thought, what, always protects what? And I begin to kind of noodle on that a little bit. And then bears all things. And when you begin to think about all of that, I thought, Jonathan, how, are you, how come you gave me so much to preach on? <laughs> Whew! What am I going to do with all of this? So, um, so as I was complaining about all of this, um, and, and he sent me the word somos, or stego, um, I began to look at the word bears. And, and there's so many things in the scripture about bearing burdens. Um, Galatians 6.2, Galatians 6.2 says, now I want you to, Paul, it's a command, it's a, it's a command, he says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And but then there's other places like when Jesus is on has has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and and the Romans have a, a, a an amazing way of, of cruelty. Uh, they beat they beat Jesus as you know, and he had his back all bloodied, uh, and and then they put this cross, this heavy wooden beam with splinters on it, on his back, and made him walk or the hill, up the hill, with a heavy cross on his back, and, and he collapses. And they grab somebody out of the people who were there watching the scene, so to speak. And it was a man from Cyrene. It was a black man. And, and they put the cross on his back. It says, you carry it. And so somebody bore Jesus' burden as he walked toward the cross to bear our burdens. A phenomenal, phenomenal scene of, of bearing a burden of another. And so, so when you begin to think about bearing burdens, 
one of the things that came to my mind was a story I heard some time ago um, about some hikers in the Sierras. They were um, two young men who were out uh, enjoying the Sierra Mountains. It was uh, uh, springtime, early spring, and uh, they had uh, hiked out of Mineral King. I don't know if any of you know where Mineral King is, but it's in the Sierras. It's a base camp, and there's a, a ranger station there. Um, and they had hiked up and over Franklin Pass, which is at 14,000 feet, and had enjoyed the Sierras, which go out from Franklin Pass out, and there's a beautiful valley with streams and lakes, and, and they had fished, and, and they had enjoyed themselves, and they were on their way back to the ranger station to where their car was parked. Uh, and it's out of that valley, you switch back up uh, the hill to Franklin Pass, and then there's a saddle, which is the pass, that goes through this particular place. It started at 9,000 feet, and as you climb up, you climb up to almost 14,000 feet, and it was spring, and all of a sudden, which happens sometimes in the Sierras, all of a sudden, a storm whips in, and the wind picked up, the temperature began to drop, and dropped and dropped, and these two guys, and then snow began to come, or late spring snow, which is heavy and wet, which makes your pilgrimage really hard. I don't know if any of you have ever walked in wet, heavy snow, but it's, it's tough. It's not like the dry winter snow that you can just kind of make your way through, but it was wet spring snow. And they kept going, and they got to the saddle, and begin to go through the saddle, but the snow was beginning to pile up, and, and suddenly one of the, the two, the one that was in the lead, uh, trips on something in the snow. And he bends over, and he finds somebody who had tripped before him and was lying in the snow there, and the temperature had continued to fall, and so it was pushing down towards zero, which meant that you would die of hyperthermia very quickly if you, something didn't happen. The second hiker, the one that was following the first hiker, said, leave him. We've, we've got to get down to the station. This is snow or we'll, or we'll freeze to death. But the first hiker said, no, no, I'm going to try and take this guy with us. He said, not with me. And the other guy took off, heading down the hill, or through the saddle and then down the hill. The first hiker struggled and struggled and got the guy, this guy that was in the snow, up on his back. And then, through that wet, heavy snow, one laborious step at a time, walked through the saddle of the hill. It's almost a, about a half a mile, if you've ever been there in Franklin Pass, the, the saddle is almost a half a mile long. Slowly he got to the far end of the saddle and tripped in. He lost his, the guy that was on his shoulders, but he was sweaty and hot, even though the temperature was freezing and icicles on his, on his whiskers. And he bent over and uncovered what he had tripped on, and it was his buddy, the guy he had been hiking with, who had frozen to death there in the snow. 
He picked up the other guy that was still alive, the first man that he had found, put him on his shoulders, and made his way down the switchbacks to the ranger station. Told the rangers about the guy up there, frozen in the snow, his friend. But he was, even though he was frostbitten, both of them were, uh, he lived. Now, I tell you this story because it is such an amazing example of what Paul talks about in Galatians 2, where Paul gives the command. It's not, it's not a descriptive phrase like it is in 1 Corinthians that says, this is what love is like. It bears somebody's burden. Paul's saying, bear one another's burden. It's a command, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Well, you have to ask, what's the law of Christ? And Jesus said, the law is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, the second is like unto the first, which is, which is an amazing thing that Jesus said. Loving God and loving your neighbor are somewhat the same thing. So some of us sometimes think, oh, well, I'm a Christian. I love God. I'm, I'm okay. But I hate that guy across the back fence. He's always throwing stuff over the fence. He, he's not very friendly. I just don't like him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. This is the first and greatest commandment. Paul then picks up that and says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill, fulfill the law of Christ. Paul's telling us that we should bear our brother's burden. What does that mean? Does it, we physically, physically we're not all caught in a snowstorm, or then again, wait, wait, what is this coronavirus thing? And sometimes we feel, don't we, like we're, we're slogging slowly, I mean, it's blurs day every day, and, 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 and the coronavirus tends to exacerbate all the problems that we have, and they become so much amplified in our lives and in the lives of others, and, and, and Paul's saying, bear one another's burdens. And you look at me, I look at myself, and say, how do we do that? I have enough burdens of my own. Oftentimes I find myself when somebody starts telling me about their problems, I say, buck up, little camper. Put the big boy pants on. And, and, and buck up. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Paul's saying bear somebody else's burden, not, not tell them what they should do. I, I'm a North American. I, I fix things. That, that's what I do. And as a North American, that's what we're taught to do. And so we want to fix other people. You know, this is what you really should do. Somebody taught me the phrase not some time ago. Um, don't should on. You see, the gospel, 
the gospel when it says bear one another's burden means to lean into another's pain. How do, how do we do that? How do we lean into another person's Back in seminary, I took a course in, in pastoral care and counseling. It's a good thing to take when you're going to be a pastor. And, um, and they taught me two little phrases. Two little phrases that take a lot of work to put into practice. The first, it seems so easy. The first little phrase is, what I hear you saying is, and to be able to repeat back what the other person has said. Now some of you do that naturally. You're natural listeners. I'm not. And so that phrase was hard for me to, to practice when somebody started telling me their journey, their problems, their woes. To say to them what I hear you saying is, and put it in your own words, and until they say, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the other little phrase, the other little phrase is, so you feel, you feel overwhelmed, you, you feel pushed away, you feel frustrated, you feel, and you know, it seems so and at first, for me, it felt like I was using a tool that I had never used before and that was new to me. And, and I don't know, oh, you, you've all done this. You've all tried to use a tool that is new and, and different and awkward. And, and you try to use it just until you get familiar with the tool, it just is awkward. But once, once you get the hang of it, once you realize how how tightly you have to screw the little knob on, on the crescent wrench to get it tight on the nut, then, then it becomes much easier to use that tool. Or how angled you hold the saw, it becomes much easier. And as, as you use those tools, suddenly something happens in the mix. And I've been on both sides of the formula. When, when you begin to hear another person's pain, when you begin to recognize what the feeling is that somebody else is experiencing, all of a sudden, there is this moment. It feels a God moment. Because it is. Because it is. Because you are bearing somebody else's burden. You're not sharing your own story. And, and I can... I so easily go off onto my own journey and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand, and start talking about who I am and what, I, what I've experienced. But in this pandemic that exacerbates everything else, it is so important, men and women, that we hear Paul's command, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. It is what God calls us to, to be God. This little girl was, uh, was telling her mommy her woes. And her mommy said, Mary, you need to pray to Jesus and share with Jesus what, 
what, what, what's going on in your life. Well, which true, but the little girl's response was so profound. She said, Mommy, Mommy, I need a God with skin on. And so men and women, we can become God in person, incarnate, as we hear other people and understand where they are because we can begin to be that focus of what God wants in another person's life. Now, one of the things that happens in this process is that we, as men and women, if when we begin to hear and understand another person, we begin to unself ourselves. You see, I, at least for me, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to wallow in my own pain. And it, and it sometimes just takes me down and down and down, and, and I get more and more, you know, like, oh, poor me. And, and nobody, nobody suffers like I suffer. You know, I mean, really, seriously, you, you don't. When I hear the call of the gospel to unself myself, to uncenter myself, and to begin to do what Paul calls me to do, to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. It's like in the story that I told you, when I lift that other person up on my back, when you lift that person up on your back, when that hiker lifted that person up on their back, they didn't realize, but the extra weight on their back created such effort that it created the body heat that saved both of them. That's what the gospel men and women is saying to us, that God carried our burdens to Calvary, and that as we center ourselves in Christ, and we bear one another's burdens, as Paul tells us to do, something God-like happens. The weight of another person doesn't overwhelm us in Jesus Christ. The weight of another person helps us uncenter ourselves and recognize that God's redemption, God's power, come, says Jesus, unto me, all you who labor and are overburdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest, peace, my peace and presence. And we become that agent of the living God for one another in our life. And so what, what Paul is saying, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, is God's redemption for you and me because of one another. I was just talking earlier here, some of our friends here live in a, in a retirement center. We're saying that, that, uh, that people are coming to service uh, and staying in their room and they're watching it online at their, at their retirement center. And they were saying how difficult that becomes because people then narrow their lives down 
to the point where they don't have any contact and they don't have another person that will listen and care and even just bump an elbow is some kind of contact with another human being that God intends for us to have. Welcome to worship. It's good that you're here and that you're touching elbows with another person and bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. That's the gospel, men and women. That's the description of love. The whole chapter is about unselfing ourselves, uncentering ourselves, and being aware of what God has put into us as human beings to care for one another. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Jesus Christ that you yourself might find yourself externos, outside of yourself, and you might carry someone's burden that they too might find the solution to their own problem as you listen to them and begin to lighten their load so that they can see more clearly and get out of that self-spiral thing. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. It's not a suggestion. It's a mandate. O river of the valley, may you flow graciously and love others as Christ has loved you. Amen. We're moved now into our time of self-offering. Um, I'll pray for this, but this is a moment for us to begin to continue letting the word that we have heard do something inside of us. Every time the word of the Lord is heard, it does not flow from the, from the mouth of the Lord without having something to do in us and through us. What is your response today? Part of that will be giving financially to the ministry of River of the Valley and also ways in which you are being called in your own lives to bear one another's burdens. Let's pray. Lord, I, may you continue to speak to us now that the word we have heard may continue to reverberate in our, in our thoughts and our hearts as we continue now into worship and to self-offering. Be showing us, Lord, how you're calling us to offer our complete self, our treasure, our time, our abilities, our patience, and to bear one another's burdens. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.